Hey, Connect uh, PD here. Listen, I'm so excited to talk to you today. And uh, first, I just got to say, I miss you. And it's just building each week. I miss you guys very much. You know, um, my wife and I talk about you all the time. Let me count the ways that I miss you. I mean, I miss you like an idiot misses the point. I miss you like Shaquille O'Neal misses free throws. Come on, somebody. Do you want another one? No? Okay. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to give you another one. I heard this one guy. He said, "Um, even my ex-wife misses me. Now, he said, her aim's getting better every day, but oh, anyway, so speaking of aim, I want to tell you my aim today as I get into our remarks. You know, I'm going to make a few statements, a few, put a few things in context in the beginning of this message, uh, and then we're going to get back into our, what I think is a timely series on prophecy and the end times, but listen, it's no joke. <laughs> we're in some difficult days. Um, This may be, you know, uh, while there's been some real highs, there's been some of the, just the most difficulty, trouble, you know, that I've really seen probably in my ministry career in such a short period of time. There's there's a lot that's affecting you, affecting me, affecting us. There's a lot of uh, invisible and visible trauma, you know, you could say, and we can all feel it. This year's been a doozy. It's only six months in, too. I mean, come on. And so um, we must be near the end, you know? We've been talking about this. If you've been tracking the, the, the Scripture calls it the beginning of sorrows, or you could say, you know, we're in the kind of the, the last days of the end of days. And when you put that framework and then you look at our situation just since January, let, let's, just, let's just think about since January. Um, early on in the year, we had extreme political distancing, political distancing. Um, Not too long ago, as a result, and even still, we have social distancing, social distancing. And right now, like maybe no other time in America, we've had, well, certainly as broad as it is, we have racial distancing. And when I think about all this, I I see a common thread. Do you? I see this pulling apart, coming apart. Um, It looks like everything's falling apart. But I just want to remind you, as we proceed, a word that I gave you a while back. Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. I want you to be able to see a bigger picture. And I'll come back to that in just a second. But I just want to share some scriptures that I've been dwelling on real quickly, Um, if you care. You know, Joshua 2 says, The Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. He's still God. Uh, Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and by Him He holds all things together. But to get even more specific right now with regards to all the racial tension in our country, I want to say some things from my heart to you as your pastor and you know, this is, it's not exclusive to these names, but, but with the unfortunate, horrible, egregious activities related to the death of George Floyd, the, the, the death of Ahmaud Arbery and, and, and Breonna Taylor, and others that are just not getting the same attention, has created incredible distress. I talked about this. Sunday night in our Pentecost service, 
I don't even have the right words. And I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a communicator. It's hard to describe what's happening. The sensitivities are so high. It makes it difficult to even talk to you because I know everybody's listening. I, I don't have to like work hard. As soon as I m- mention a topic or a few words, everybody pays attention. And I feel, you know, when there's a wedding, there's a funeral as a pastor, you have to say things right because it's a big day and you only have one day and one chance to do it right. I feel like that 10 times that when we're talking about these racial tensions. But I just want to say unequivocally that black lives matter. Of course, all life matters. All lives matter. But right now, it's important to focus. Um, and and I, I, I'm sometimes stunned... This is some of this is just, I'm, I'm the under shepherd here, so some of these are my opinions. But I don't get why people get so upset about that necessarily right now. I'm not connecting myself to a movement, but to basically a group of people that God cares about. And when a certain part of a physical, your physical body is hurt, injured, suffering, um, there's some, uh, you know, horrible situation that has happened you don't dispense resources to all the parts of the body in order for it to get better equally. Um, No, you would dispense and focus uh, internally blood, uh, nourishment, um, you know, energy to that specific area. Externally, you would provide care, uh, comfort, uh, TLC, uh, maybe expertise, uh, surgeries. Uh, you, would, you would work very hard until that part of the body was working within the body in a healthy manner and functioning properly. And so similarly, when there is a part of the human race that is hurting, injured, or suffering, this is what the rest of the body should be focused on Uh, right now until that area is restored, reconciled, and healed. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part of the body suffers, we all should suffer. And and as a white pastor, speaking again for myself, but on behalf of this church, I think it's best that our posture should be three things, to listen, to learn, and to lead. To listen, to learn, and to lead. Listen you know, James tells us that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Uh, Proverbs 18 says it is stupid or embarrassing to give an answer before you listen. So I think our first posture, our first activity should be to listen. And I think a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, a lot of people in my position Um, when there are differences and distinctions and divisions, uh, a lot of times we're just quick to just give answers and quick to teach and quick to instruct. And uh, I I think it leads to a lot of hostility, confrontation, and sometimes uh, a a lot of division. And so I just say, let it not be said of us. My friend Jimmy Rollins, he's a black pastor in Baltimore, a good friend. He's in uh, a small group that I'm in with a bunch of pastors. I stole this analogy, but he, he, it was just brilliant. And he was asked by another friend of mine, a white pastor from Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia. He said, Jimmy, how, what, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Like, how do we help? What, what, what's our, what's our, what should our posture be? He said, Jimmy said, you know, when, when a woman is pregnant and she, she's going through a difficult time, you can't empathize with that woman because you're not a woman. You can't empathize completely. 
But what you can do when she's in travail, when she's in pain, when she's going through that difficult thing is you can breathe with her. You can come alongside her and you can be in the room. He said, I really think that's what the body of Christ needs to do right now during this particular time. This is what it means to listen. Breathe with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Come alongside them and stay in relationship with them. Be in the room. And the second thing I said was learn. I, at Proverbs 27, 17 says, people learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. Uh, Proverbs 12 says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I, I think, this is my position again, I think we all have a level of ignorance as it relates to um, you know, racial issues. Um, and as a result, I believe that there's an there's, there's potential in each one of us to grow and get better in this area. I, I, I learned that if I'm driving in the city with my friend Zenzo, he feels safe because I'm in the car with him. Not because I'm big, but because I'm white. I didn't realize that. But I learned that from my friend. And that helped me a lot. And so I think it's time to listen. And, and what I'm, you know, uh, I just think we need to ask. I think we need to talk to God. I think we need to talk to our friends. And they need to help us you know, with some of our blind spots. And so that's what I'm doing. You know, we've had, we have a lot of um, great relationships as a ministry and um, unintentionally just this last week, I've had three of my black pastors, friends, black, black friends who are pastors speak into our ministry, to our leadership teams uh, in two different occasions. And also uh, even this last Sunday, Pastor Zenzo just brought such a great word but behind the scenes, I'm, I'm asking questions, I'm listening, I'm like, I, hope you, I hope you're doing the same thing. And um, this coming Wednesday, we'll have a special outlet for all things related to this so that people can kind of ask questions and just hear from people who are authorities in this area, uh, not necessarily for me, so I will facilitate that in Wisdom Wednesday uh, this coming Wednesday at 1230. And then I said lead, listen learn and lead. I just think we need to lead well with the influence that we have. Everybody has different degrees of influence or a portion that God has put upon you, but be careful what you say. Be careful what you post. Be careful what you do right now. Uh, we're in a very sensitive situation, and I think it's important, especially what we say, because those things are remembered. Our words can, they're like, they're like scars, you know, for people, or they, you know, and so the, you can't erase them but you can replace them. And I think we need to be very intentional as we lead in our sphere of influence. Uh, but I want to make, make kind of a more clear statement as, as a church. And I, I wrote this down so I don't mess it up. So forgive me if um, you know, I'm reading portions of this. But I, I just want to go on record and say this. First of all, to all the black and other people of color within the communities of Connect and those who would listen beyond connect and its um, influences. On behalf of myself as lead pastor, of my wife, Pastor Stacy, of our pastoral team, our entire leadership team as well, know this, we do not support prejudice, bigotry, racism of any kind, and believe it is of the devil. In fact, I believe it's sponsored by Satan himself to destroy and cause division. So we are deeply sorry for any uh, known and unknown behaviors and attitudes or innuendo within the body of this church that has caused you or those you love any pain or hurt if it exists. 
We repent to you. I repent to you on behalf of us. We love you. I want you to know that we will fight for you. We will speak up for you. We will not remain silent. We will not be complicit in this area. And we'll pray for you and believe this, that diversity will overcome adversity. For grace to heal the human race. For love to replace hate. For us to come together and not continue to grow apart. For reconciliation to be our ministry. And Jesus' values to be the model of our church. Can I have an amen from everybody out there? And then finally, I just want to say, I'm asking you to join me and join the rest of the church as we pray here in our Ashland location, our broadcast location, tonight at 5 p.m. We will have a meeting. It'll be about 45 minutes long. We will practice social distancing. I'm asking you to bring and wear a mask. Uh, We will have, you know, support there, leadership support there, parking team, et cetera, to help us. And we will gather together to pray in an open-air meeting outside, outside our cars. And we will lift up a lot of these concerns to God. Pray for healing for our nation. Healing for, um, uh, you know, the people of God. um, Protection. Um, We will repent for things we need to repent for. We're going to have a prayer meeting, everybody. And I believe we need to come together, not be apart anymore at this time. And I can think of no better way for the, for the church to come together for the first time than in prayer. And we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And so I think we need to talk to God first, talk to others, and then we need to help other people as we do this. Amen and amen. I hope that came through right. I, I, I want to switch into our message now and go into some of the uh, deeper realities of this subject that we've been in within the end time series. And in week one, we talked about the rapture. Uh, God's going to, we're going to be caught up and he's, we're going to be together with him. And we're going to miss what we talked about in the second week, the tribulation, which is a seven-year period that we definitely don't want to be here for that. And then we talked about once we get up there, what's the first activity as the tribulation starts here? What happens up there? We will be as believers at the judgment seat of Christ. And the purpose, this is part two of that message, the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ Uh, was not to evaluate your salvation, but to evaluate your appreciation of your salvation. And at that meeting, you will have an eyeball-to-eyeball encounter with Jesus Christ, uh, King, Lord of Lords. And everything that you've done uh, from the point of salvation to the point of the rapture or your death uh, will be reviewed. And in essence, Jesus will say, Derek, come in here, and he'll be seated, you'll be standing, and he'll say, roll the tape. And we'll, we'll get to see our life. And our life will receive, uh, at, that, at that time, uh, rewards, or it will be a day of reckoning. But most people are not living in the light of this truth and this reality. And so prior to this um, message, I believe that most people would think, or hearing anything like this, most people think that as long as I get into heaven, that's, that's all I care about, I'm fine. It's just as long as I get into heaven. And today I want to unravel that thought a little more. Today I want to untie uh, that knot a little bit more to get you to see how faulty that thinking is, and more importantly, how that thinking is affecting your behaviors, and ultimately it will affect your rewards. And that, that there's a tape There is a a life on record that you cannot erase 
you might be able to improve it. You might be able to um, strengthen it. You might be able to change the focus of it, but you cannot erase it. And if scripture brings this out, believe it or not, it's brought out in a story that sometimes is told in a different context. It's the story of the talents, the parable of the talents. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking um, about the kingdom of God. And he says in verse 14, Matthew 25, 14, he says, for it, it is the kingdom. It's just like a man who is about to take a journey and he called his servants together and he entrusted them with his possessions. So this is referring to what Jesus has done with us and for us. He came, he died, he rose, and then he went on a journey. He left. And he's going to come back. But before he comes back and before he left, he entrusted valuables to each of us as his, notice it's servants, okay, in this situation. And so we all have them. You have been given time, opportunity, talent, uh, ability, uh, treasures, resources. And so each of you have been given a certain amount. Verse 15 says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. In other words, God doesn't hold you accountable for somebody else's ability. He only holds you accountable for your ability. And then it says he went on a journey. So God is gone, but he's coming back. The one who had received the five talents believed that and at once traded with them and he made a profit and he gained five more. Now for time, I'm going to skip down to verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he returned to settle accounts with each of them. And the one that had received the five, as you know, he made five more. And the master said, well done, you good and faithful servant. Um, you, you made a profit. Way to go. Thank you for being so trustworthy. I will put you in charge of many things, and you will share in the joy of your master. And the one with two said the same thing, and the master replied the same way. But... Just so you understand, before we move to the third uh, character here, this, I need you to know this as your pastor, is really going to happen. There will be an accounting. The master is coming back to see what did you do with what I gave you. And you will receive uh, rewards. There's going to be this marriage supper of the lamb party, and you also will receive responsibility in the millennial reign of Christ dependent upon what you did with what God gave you here. And so the first two took what the master gave them and immediately doubled it, creating a tremendous impact. But now I want to move on and I want you to see the third guy. And he's our focus today. And this guy had one talent. In other words, God didn't expect the same that he expected from the other two, but he did expect something from this one. And it says in verse 24, the one who had received one talent came forward. There's going to be this meeting. And the master, he said to him, I knew you to be harsh. Look at the attitude. Look at the outlook that he has on God. And, and a demanding person, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid to lose your talent. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, See, you have what is yours. You have what is your own. But his master answered him, you wicked and lazy servant. 
You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reaped the harvest where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed. Then you ought to have at least, I like to put that part in there, put money with the bankers. And, and at my return, I would have received my money back with interest. You should have at least put it in the bank. Right now, there's 1% interest. That's the least you could have done. Uh, but he didn't do that. What did he do with his one talent? He buried it. He buried it. And the master heard that and said, wicked and lazy. First, he basically said, the first point he made is, you're evil. So he's saved. He's at the judgment seat of Christ, you and I, but you can still do evil things. Why did he call him evil? Why did he call him lazy? Well, he did because he's given him back what God gave him. God didn't want him to do that. See, it's because God didn't come back so you could give back what he gave you. That's very clear. He's come back so that you can maximize, or I like to say multiply, what he's given you. So when you pay for your kid's education, let's say it's college or you know a private school or something like that, after it's over, you don't expect them to be as dumb as they were when they went in, right? You expect that they would have grown, they would have, be, they would have gotten smarter, they would have maximized themselves. If you employed somebody and you went away, and you made them the manager of something, the steward of something, if you gave somebody your resources uh, and you paid them uh, for that, you don't come back and you want to, and it's the same, here you go, I just want to give you what, I knew you were tough and so I just wanted to give you back what you gave me. No, you expect it to improve, you expect it to grow. And so the whole point of his going away was for us here now as Christ followers to get after it. And God has invested in you. Salvation was his investment in you and he wants a return on the price that he paid for you that high price that he's paid for you he wants you to make things bigger and grow things for his glory and for his kingdom and so he said you are wicked and then he says you are lazy what does that mean this one kind of i hope i can unpack it right but what he's saying here is you you don't want to give any effort for me you'll give an effort for you in your agendas, in your plans, in your little kingdom, but you won't give an effort for me. Uh, that's a problem. And so this, this, look at the shrewdness of this third character. What does he do? He buries it. He, there's a phrase, he plays the end against the middle. In other words, he thinks, if the master returns, if that actually happens, I'll have the talent. But if he doesn't, because I'm suspicious he, he's really not going to return, then it'll be mine then it'll be mine. So he hides it. He buries it. He puts it in the dirt. He puts it in the ground. It'd be like us putting it under our bed. And so he, you know, he can't lose it. And if, so if the master comes back, he's got it. It's his. He's playing the end against the middle. And some of us, when we, we hear a message like this in, in, the, in the past, in one sh way, shape, or form, I think some of us deep down aren't sure this is really going to happen. And, and, and so we, in a sense, we're thinking, just let me just play the game a little bit. Let me play the end against the middle. I'll, I'll do just enough so I can say I did this. I, I won't invest too much. I won't go all in. I'll throw a few bucks in. I'll go online. I might try a small group. I went on a mission trip once in my life. I, I got something I can show just a little bit, but I'm not going to give in to this idea because I'm not sure. I don't want to waste my whole life and all my time, talent, and treasures playing playing a game that I don't believe is going to come out for real. And so if it matters if you believe this is real. And when you are serious about the future, it affects what you do in the present. In other words, if you want to be a doctor, you don't wait till you're 80 
to go to school and, and to go to med school and all that stuff. No, if you want to be a pro athlete, you don't wait until you're 50 to start conditioning and, and getting ready because your dream of the future will affect your activity right now. So the reason many Christians are actually wicked and lazy is because this is not important to their future. It's not relevant to their future. And so they don't live in light of this future reality. They don't put a lot of stock in what the master is saying and the fact that the master will come back. And in this story, the master did come back, everybody. And I want you to know, Jesus is going to come back for us too. And it can be a day of reckoning or a day of rewards. I know this is a strong message, but think about it. If, um, if he is, this, this character is remotely serious about what God had said, he would have at least put it in the bank and got interest for it. He, 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 didn't, he, he, he didn't even get cheap bank interest. That's how little regard he had for this talent. He didn't want to, you know why? Because he didn't want anything on record. He didn't want anything on record. Because if it's in the bank, it's recorded. If it's in the dirt, it's not. And so if the master didn't come back, you know, nobody could say, well, where did you get that money from? No, because he just hid it. He never put it in a bank. There was no records for it whatsoever. But if he put it in the bank, it's being recorded. And that's how God, just so you know, everything's being recorded, whether we think it is or not. One time I saw a video of a young man, um, wasn't particularly good at basketball, but he was tall. And as a center, he jumped for the, the jump ball, the tip off. He grabbed the tip and he took off a beautiful layup, um, just amazing what he had just done. One man show. Unfortunately, it was for the other team. He scored for the other team. And this particular situation was unfortunate because it was on video. And of course, that went everywhere, everywhere for all people to see. Many of us are giving our talents for the wrong team. Many of us are scoring for the kingdom of this world, not the kingdom of our God. And you need to know something. It's all on tape, and it will be played at the judgment seat of Christ. So you and I ought to have at least one question. Is there anything I can do with my tape? <laughs> and so if Jesus came today, what would, what would be on the tape? That makes me a little nervous, okay? So notice what, what he says to this guy. He says, so take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance, but for the one who does not have, uh, even what he does have will be taken away. And then he says, throw out the worthless servant into outer darkness, into the place of grief and torment. There will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. Now, I want you to know something. This is not talking about hell. Remember, this is not hell. This is, this is the judgment seat of Christ, because, and he's talking to a believer here. Don't forget, this weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's, it's referring to, uh, it should, just, that, just that scripture alone should disturb your view of heaven just a little bit. And I, and I sort of want it to, because I want you to see how important this is. See, the, the pain of the judgment seat of Christ at the end of that tape session between you and God, where you have... You, have to, you get to see if you live for self or you live for God and the consequences of that ultimately can be where he takes away what he was going to give to you and he gives it to somebody else, the Bible says. In other words, uh, perhaps 
what was meant for you. You might have had more notoriety here in this earth. You might have had more ability, more affluence in this earth. You might have had more popularity and more followership in this earth here. But because of the way you lived here, you will have a moment where it causes you to be embarrassed. There will be a deep feeling of sorrow and regret. The Bible says weeping and gnashing of teeth. It means profound regret. You don't want that. And as your pastor, I'm here trying to tell you this. In fact, an analogy I've used many years ago as a basketball, I was a basketball player. I'm retired. I put up my shoes. I still have a lot of great shoes, but I put up my shoes. And, uh, but I went to Dave Cowan's basketball camp when I was a young man and played for the Celtics legend. And I, I remember just goofing off the whole time. It, it was a co-ed camp, so I saw the girls. And so everything I did was to connect with the girls, and I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't maximizing my opportunities that were there and developing my talents and, and multiplying my talents while I was there. And so at the end of the camp, the one-week camp, we were called into this assembly. And in this assembly, everybody's in the stands. And I can remember seeing on the floor all this, this, these long tables with trophies, all different sizes, small ones up to great big ones, T-shirts and paraphernalia and special lanyards and all kinds of things, just Hundreds and hundreds of them. It was a massive camp. And I, 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 I remember thinking to myself, what is this? What's going on here? I turned to my He goes, it's a reward ceremony. I said, reward ceremony? Nobody told me about a reward ceremony. And then all of a sudden, one by one, different kids got called out of the crowd. Kids that I was better. I was more talented than they were. Kids that were, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't think they had what I had. And they were coming back with these large test trophies and looking at me like, ha-ha, you know. And I was like, and I could just remember this, this embarrassment. I remember this regret. I remember this sorrow. And I remember thinking to myself, why didn't anybody tell me about this? And this, this, this just profound regret. And the truth is, they did tell me. They told me before the camp started. They told me in the paperwork, you know, that they were sent for registration. My mother and my father reminded me about that. And even my friends were mentioning it during the camp. But I didn't take it seriously. As if I didn't even believe it. And listen, on that day, that day, the judgment seat of Christ, if you don't heed this message, God will take what he has purchased for you and he will give your rewards to someone else. That's what the Bible is saying here. And listen to me, I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. You can't say, nobody told me that would happen. Nobody told me there were rewards in heaven. Nobody told me that, that my rewards could go to somebody else. You can't say that because I'm telling you right now. And listen, all of this is on tape. So God on that day, could say to you or somebody else who's a believer, you wicked and lazy Christian, you know, and you could find yourself weeping and gnashing teeth with profound regret because you lived an unfaithful life when God was faithful to you. Now, if I don't have your undivided attention, I don't know what would get it. But none of us is perfect. All of us have failed. God knows that. God knows that. So God allows what I call bonus points. He says things like, when you show mercy to others, he will show mercy to you. I think God allows bonus points, extra credit in this life. See, when you're losing a race, think about this, and I'll make this quick. You can't start over. You can't go back to the starting line. You can't go back to the beginning. Uh, that's in the past. You got to let it go. But when you're losing the race, 
you can pick up the pace. When you are losing in a race, you can pick up the pace. You can run faster when you know what is happening with what's left, what remains. Even though you can't go back, you can pick up the pace. The, some of the best teams in the world in the sports have lost all three quarters and won the game just because of how they played in the fourth quarter. And so when you're losing in the previous three, understand, you just got to pick up the pace. Turn to your neighbor and say, pick up the pace. Come on, somebody. So if you've got a bad tape and you don't like what you see, since you don't, since you don't know when you're going to die, you don't know when the rapture is, then you need to get up every day and say, my life is not my own. All that I have is yours, Lord. I was created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. Lord, use me. Take my abilities. Take my time. Take my treasures in Jesus' name and maximize them for your glory in Jesus' name. There's no athlete that who plays a sport for future rewards, who's going to send in a low highlight reel. No, we, we don't have to be judged on our tape, our bad tape. We can be judged by our highlight reel. See, God's going to see that. He's going to know that because he's such a good God, because he's a God that wants to give mercy over judgment. He wants to see, will you respond in this life with what you've been given and maximize it and bring it to me uh, multiplied and grown so that on that day, I want to hear him say, Derek, I've been watching your tapes. <gasps> okay. But I want you to know something, son. I've seen some of your highlight reels. Man, Derek, those are strong enough. Those are powerful enough to convey and convince me that you appreciate what I did for you. Derek, I, I like what I see, Derek. I like what I see. So I got something for you that I've been holding on to for you. I've got some rewards and I've got some responsibility. Boy, these highlight reels were amazing. See, a highlight tape can override a bad tape. Come on, somebody. So if you've got some bad days, you've had some bad experiences, if you had some bad practices, you've had some bad games, God knows about that because your highlight tape overrides it. And so he's going to sign you. He's going to hook you up. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So as I conclude, let me say this. There's a story I heard a while back about an accomplished violinist. And he came and he played in front of hundreds, even maybe a couple thousand people. And he had the people just uh, at hello. And at the end, when he was done, they stood to their feet and they began to applause, the applause just in the roar of the people. And, and he walked off the stage and they were asking for an encore performance. And he went off the stage and he sat down and began to weep. And one of the guys, one of the stagehands says, Sir, what are, you, what are you crying for? What's the matter? He says, he says all these people are applauding for All these people, uh, they, they want an encore. They thought you were incredible. Like, what, what is going on? And he said, let, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, is everyone standing? He said, yeah. He goes, is everyone standing? He goes, yeah, except one guy in the front row. <laughs> he says, well, I'll tell you what. It doesn't mean anything. Because that's my violin professor, and he's still seated. It doesn't mean anything if everyone is standing and the one who taught me is still seated. See, many people on Judgment Day may have had the crowd applause. They may have had following a mile long. They may have had the, the, the respect of a lot of people. But it, it won't matter on that day if it can't bring honor 
and, and it doesn't bring honor and glory to God, and we didn't use our time and our talent and our treasure for him. If you live for that day, you can experience more of him today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you pray with me all wherever you are, all the people that are listening within the sound of my voice. I want to give you the chance right now to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. This is your moment. If you don't know him, give your life to him right now. Just say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I don't want to get to that day where I draw my last breath and get before God and not be invited in. So I want to invite you, Jesus Christ, to be my savior and my Lord. Come on, say that right now. Just invite Jesus into your life right now. This is the most important decision you could ever make. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're here and you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're a believer, you're a servant of the Most High God, and you haven't been all in, you haven't been living in light of this future, and today you're ready to surrender all to him, your time, your talents, your treasure, and to live for eternal rewards. If that's you, just raise your hand also right now and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor Derek. Today is a day. It's a turning point. It's a line in the sand I'm drawing where I'm giving all I have for him because I want a highlight reel that overrides all my bad tape. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person who's making that decision right now that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would not bring condemnation, but it would bring change and transformation in Jesus' name. For every single person, Lord, I pray that you light them on fire for God because they're living for eternal rewards. And on that day, it would be a glorious day at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You will be able to party with him forevermore in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys real soon. God bless you.